Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, as we were figuring out what was going to be happening over the Christmas break and heading into 2021, uh, we had Education Minister Stephen Lecce on the program, and I asked him, uh, because there was some speculation at that time, that they may extend the Christmas break for kids. And uh, this is what the minister had to say. The Chief Medical Officer of Health has uh, discretion to extend it where he believes the risk uh, poses a potential uh, threat to the safety of kids. So, uh, as I say, his direction and advice will inform what we do next. But I'm proud that Ontario really is in a unique position to offer this type of testing in addition to all the other layers of protection that no province has. And I don't take from, for a moment, Bill, that this isn't tough. It's, it's a challenge. But keeping schools open, I believe, is the most pressing societal imperative of any government, of any society. What is more important? Well, uh, and times have changed in two weeks. Uh, the minister seemed pretty adamant about that and had actually made the decision that, no, there was going to be no extension. Uh, but the numbers continue to go up, uh, in, even in Hamilton schools. Uh, Ten more cases reported this past Friday, 45 cases in four days. So the decision has been made now to extend that uh, Christmas break uh, for at least a week. Uh, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that students are just going to be sitting around the house doing nothing. Uh, but it does, uh, well, change things for the Board of Education, doesn't it? And uh, to that end, uh, we wanted to bring in the uh, chair of the Hamilton Board of Education, uh, Don Danko, the newly elected chair of the uh, Hamilton Board of Education, to talk about exactly what this is going to do and how it's going to impact the students. Uh, Don, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, did you anticipate this happening when the rumors were going around last week that, uh, that it looked like we were going to move into the, to the gray zone? Oh, good morning, Bill, and thanks for having me. I would say last week there was a, a number of times where the government seemed to be floating that trial balloon that they like to do, where they were hinting at the possibility of going to remote. And I'll be honest, initially we didn't think that was going to be the direction because they were very clear in November when they said, yeah. no, we are not extending. The, he was, the he was pretty adamant when I had him. When I hit him on the show, he was pretty adamant. He said, no, no, you know, education matters. And he looked at the numbers at that time, and I know you heard this story, and said, well, they're probably safer in school. Uh, and I, I'm not going to ask you to get inside his head as to what changed here, but clearly the numbers going up and up and up uh, had some sort of influence over what the chief medical officer had decided to do. Well, and so it's interesting, Bill, that you mentioned that, because – Right now, the writing's been on the wall. We know where the numbers are going. This is not a surprise. So mm -hmm. we knew weeks ago that we were into a, an exponential growth curve of COVID cases. That means they're going to continue to escalate. So we really wanted to see some leadership here um, from the ministry. We wanted to see some clear decision-making, some clear direction, because when this happens, when there's ideas floated out, there was some backpedaling last week, now there's some clear suggestions that there will be an announcement today to, to let us know what's going to happen for the first week of January, um, even for, for when Hamilton was going into a lockdown. Um, when you don't have clear direction, that creates a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety, um, certainly for our board, for our families, for our staff. Uh, it creates some complicated situations where we are now going to operationalize um, getting devices out to families, shifting to remote for January. But I'm sure you know that the school system shut down for the winter break on Friday. So yeah. you can imagine the complicated uh, how that complicates things unnecessarily. We could have had this decision earlier, and, and that's the leadership we were really hoping for. Well, the, the thing that I think gave it away, though, Don, is I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday of last week when uh, Minister Lecce said, uh, listen, uh, when they go for their school break, uh, take your school supplies home with you. Uh, okay, red flag. What, you know, why would he even suggest that unless this was imminent? 
Well, yes, and we spent the latter half of last week trying to clarify for families what did that mean because it was out in the media, there was a suggestion that, well, this might mean an extended break. Families are wondering, do I need to plan for this? Staff are wondering, do I need to plan for this? So as a board, of course, we have a plan to go to remote and there was an extensive amount of work done last week to make sure that we could pivot in January if needed. But with the media coverage, it really wasn't clear. It was it was a hint. It was a suggestion, but not clear direction. And really, that's what we need when, when the ministry and the government are making decisions right now. We need clarity. Um, I, I have to say that our board has really stepped up to lead through the pandemic. And through this fall, it's been a tough fall. But we advocated for a staggered start and really had to push to get that to have a smooth transition for staff and students into schools. We set our math policy for K to 12 when they had only set one for four to four to 12. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're, we've been doing as well as we have in schools. We allocated $9 million to reduce class sizes. And we just received some additional funding from the ministry um, recently, and we appreciate that. But it was a little too little and a little too late because we still had to have this massive reorganization um, despite the, the money that we invested as a board uh, because the ministry didn't step up and recognize the challenges our systems were facing. So this is a time where we really need some clear direction. We need them not to be communicating through the media, but two people, two boards. Um, it's unfortunate when when organizations hear from the media what what the next steps are going to be. Well, I, I can understand the frustration, and if from your standpoint, uh, both as the chair and as a, as a trustee, uh, but also as a parent. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, you and your husband are working people. You just can't say, "Oh, I'll take the week off. Don't worry about it." Uh, it. It doesn't work that way. And there's thousands and thousands of other parents in the same situation. That you know, based on what the, the government had told them two weeks ago, said, "Okay, I can go back to work. I don't have to worry about that. The kids are going to be back in school," and that's changed. And and especially with, with the wording of this, Don, that suggests at least one week. In other words, if the numbers are to their satisfaction, could be extended. You don't know that. And that's that uncertainty again. Exactly. And we're really fortunate to be able to work from home. And we, our children are a bit older, so they, they can be independent if we get them set up. So we're in a good position as a family. But there are so many families where parents are both working outside of the home. That is a very challenging thing. If you've chosen to put your child to in-person learning, there's, there's a good reason for that. And I know some people have done it for social reasons, to have their children socially interacting in person. But many are doing it because they don't have a choice to keep their children at home. Uh, for remote learning. So we recognize the challenge this poses to so many of our families and to our staff. So we have staff members that will have their children learning from home while they are trying to teach um, from home. And so I, I appreciate that we are giving families notice because if this decision came the last week of December, that would be even more problematic. But again, let's be clear the numbers are not going to shift. There's nothing happening right now that is going to see a significant change in numbers in two weeks. So make the decision now, is what I would say to the government. But there are some numbers that could shift. And, and I'm going to give you a, a hypothetical example, but I mean, you guys have lived this for the last two months, so I'm, th I'm sure you can relate to this. How many families are going to go through this and say, you know what, to, to heck with this, we're just going to stay home and do the virtual learning. Uh, this, you know, on again, off again thing is just driving me nuts. We need some consistency here. I, 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 is there a best before, can they still make that decision? Can they still opt to simply say, okay, we're going to do the, uh, the virtual learning instead? So... While we are trying to accommodate any family that does need to shift to remote learning for whatever reason, usually there's some exceptional circumstances that we would consider that on an ongoing basis, 
what we have to consider as a system, um, we have some structures in place. We have collective agreements in place. We need to make sure there's room in a class to welcome a student in. So it's not as simple as just if you want to go to remote, yes, we'll We'll move you over there. Um, we need to make sure that we have the right uh, people in place, the right class sizes in place to allow for that to happen. So for families who have a need, um, we absolutely will work with them to try to make that transition. The next time that we have an opportunity for families to say, you know, I really would like to transition either to remote or to in-person from remote, um, they can signal that it'll be around the, the third week of January. They can let us know that they would like to do that, and then we have to put measures into place to make sure that we have space and can accommodate students. And we don't have the same flexibility that we had in the fall because we can't undergo a massive reorganization again, um, but we might have to see some small shifting around so that we can accommodate families. Don, are you concerned that uh, with this new change now and, and some students who had opted to do in-class learning are now going to be doing it virtually, uh, as, as you and I have discussed in the past, it's not for everyone. And, and there's a concern here that there could be frustration uh, with parents and with the kids in a situation like that, especially if this is extended for any amount of time. I think that's a great point. Um, we, we've already seen that, that for some families it really didn't work and they needed to shift their child back to in-person learning. Um, we know that it is, it's challenging to be in front of a device all day for anybody and our teachers and our educators do a great job at building in activities uh, for students to do but you do need some level of oversight or supervision particularly for younger children at home and not, not every family has the capacity to do that. Um, I would say that if this is an extended period one of the major concerns is those families who don't either have access to devices or to the internet or they have not necessarily no access but poor connectivity. So if you have a teacher, and I think we've all experienced this where your internet is unstable or you know, you've, you're working with someone who's in rural Hamilton or Flamborough and they don't have the best internet connection, if you're doing synchronous um, learning where you're doing learning online uh, with a video on or with audio, and it cuts out, that, that can make it a really challenging situation. Um, so we do have an, a, a very comprehensive plan. We have about 6,000 devices ready to be deployed to families, but we need time to do that. So that would need to be the initial step, uh, the beginning of January to get devices, some of those internet enabled for the families who need them. Otherwise, we are going to be missing out on uh, connecting with sp certain families who might already have some level of... Um, challenge or disadvantage that that we need to be addressing so uh, certainly we have a comprehensive plan for that we will have to have a deployment um, strategy and we'll communicate that with our families um, depending on how long that period is if it's one week two weeks we, we haven't heard that yet um, we, we certainly will do everything we can to support our families but like you say it's not going to be the perfect situation for everybody no, absolutely not. And there's going to be individual frustrations with families, too, as well. As one computer guy told me the other day when I was calling to complain about my service, he says, you know how many people are using this stuff now? Uh, you know, there's a traffic jam on the information highway. There are going to be dropouts. Well, that's going to be awfully frustrating for students. Uh, there is a solution, of course. You can try to increase the, the input into your house at your cost, uh, and some parents you know, may or may not be able to afford to do that, too. So it's, as you say, it's not a perfect situation at all. And, and this indecision about how long this is going to be. And to that point, I wanted to ask you, do you have any clarity on what's 
what's going on with secondary school students, uh, in, especially in in-class learning. Of course, they're going to remain closed for the entire 28-day period. But does that mean uh, virtual learning is going to occur? Uh, and is it going to impact them for all 28 days or just the, the extended week that they were talking about? So at this point, waiting for additional clarity on that as well. Like at this point, there hasn't been uh, a firm, clear communication to board staff. We are waiting for the announcement today, just like everybody else, and apparently we're going to hear it the same time as everybody else. And that has yep. been the trend. That has been what this government has done. Uh, they, they often communicate with organizations that are impacted after the fact. Um, so we will wait to hear what the direction is. For our secondary students, they are already engaging primarily online in online learning or remote mm -hmm. learning. Um, they spend, you know, a, ha a morning every other day in person in class. So I think the shift that, um, for secondary students will not be as challenging. I will, I will add the caveat that this has been a very challenging year for our secondary students. This is not the, the high school experience that, that many of them have expected if they're new to high school, and certainly it's been a challenge for students who have already experienced high school. Um, so we are well positioned. All of our students in high school have a one-to-one -one device already, so we don't need to worry about deploying devices. Our teachers have already been teaching virtually in the afternoons. Um, so I, I think that transition will be uh, easier, and again, we'll look for direction on how long a period that might be. But again, it's got to be awfully frustrating for you to be watching the press conferences just like we are. And, and it, because it's, it's one thing for somebody like me to listen to this. I have to report about it and I'm going to talk about it. You've got to plan policy on it. Well, and that's... That's just it. And I would <laughs> I would imagine the ministry might say that they've signaled since the summer we need to be prepared to move between different models of learning at any time. So at any time we have the opportunity or we might be directed to move to an adaptive day for elementary. So that would be every other day so that we could have smaller class sizes or we could go right into remote learning. It's interesting we haven't actually leverage that adaptive day model where we would have students half the class every other day in elementary and, and we are just looking to go into remote. Um, but as much as we have the plans in place, depending on when they're deployed, so following a break, that's a different, um, we, different things need to be considered for operationalizing that, for communicating with families um, versus if this happened while we we're in session. Are you concerned about the impact this could have on special needs students? Absolutely. And, and that is one of our, our groups. Uh, so we know we have a number of different students that have additional challenges if we have to shift to remote learning. And so special education students um, with additional needs, with a, they need additional supervision, they need additional support, they need more one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, that is more challenging to provide. Now, we, we have had our special education team um, developing different strategies and supports for spec ed students. But again, when you take the entire system and say, well, now we're going to move you to remote, you can imagine there are going to be some, some challenges with with filling all of the gaps there. Absolutely. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they say later on today. And uh, as you've been doing for the last little while, just respond to it. Uh, Don, as always, thanks so much for this. Uh, good luck with this. And I'm sure we'll stay in touch over the next few days. Thank you. And Bill, if I can just remind people, please, please, please do what you need to do to keep one another safe. We are all part of this. We are all part of the solution. Over the holidays, you need to follow the rules. Um, Everybody have a happy and safe holiday, and thank you so much, Bill. Okay, thank you, Don. Don Danko, the uh, chair, of course, of the Hamilton Board of Education. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.